Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, this is uh, Steve Wilson, and uh, welcome back to our study through the book of Matthew. Thank you for listening in. We're pleased to have you with us. Hope this is uh, being a benefit to someone. Hope you're all getting something out of it. Um, but, you know, we've been going through Matthew now for uh, a few of these studies now, and we are uh, up to verse 13 of chapter 2 in the book of Matthew. So thanks again, and here we go. We've gone through the, uh, of course, the birth of Jesus. Um, we're into the uh, area where the wise men, have visited with Jesus and so we've talked about them and how we came up with the number of three wise men and whether or not that's accurate we really don't know um, but you know it's based on on the number of gifts that were given but it's really not relevant how many there were just the fact that they came that they had the common sense to come and see Jesus and, um, and that sort of thing and that it, it kind of uh, leads us into some of the comments that are going to be made here in chapter 2. So let's let's go ahead and pick up in verse uh, 13. And as the wise men, of course, we see have gone by way of Herod, and Herod has told them, look, if you, um, once you find the, 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 uh, the, the Christ, or the mm-hmm. child, the young child, would you come back through here, let me know, because he was lying to him but it was a ploy of his telling him, he says I want to go and worship with him too of course that's false uh, it's a false narrative you see the world today offering a lot of false narratives when it comes to Christianity we see a lot of our politicians today claiming to do the Lord's work when we know better it doesn't match up with scripture they stand for too many things that oppose what scripture says and yet they try to present them uh, themselves as being uh, servants of God or ambassadors of God. I, you know, I think they're just trying to feed their own egos, make themselves feel good about some of the choices they've made and, uh, you know, try to deceive you and I. But anyway, here we go. In verse 13, this is, uh, in verse 12, they had been warned of a dream, you know, not to go back by Herod. So in verse 13, this is, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by the Lord, or spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So once again we have another prophecy being fulfilled 
in the life of Christ. It points uh, to Jesus. There are over 300 of these prophecies that he fulfilled. And when, you know, taking each, any of them alone, it really doesn't do much but, or prove anything. But when you put them all together and every one of them points to, to Jesus, there's no doubt Jesus was indeed the Savior of man. Um, so anyway, here's a prophecy that tells uh, Joseph to take the child to Egypt and then um, come back after Herod dies. So in verse 11 to 15, you see a phrase. It says, the young child and his mother used three times. Actually, the young child once and then the young child and his mother. You notice in verse 11, actually, this is the first one. It says, uh, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Then uh, down in verse 13, toward the end of the verse, it says, For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Um, it, you know, it's, it's interesting that they, the term young child is used here. Um, rather than Joseph's son or Mary's son it's just referred to the young child he's Jesus referred to the young child but he's linked to his mother uh, in two out of three of those occasions and, and then you'll see later on another verse further on down in the chapter they use that term once again it's interesting that Joseph is completely taken out of the um you remember back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where uh, the Bible, when Satan is being, or when the serpent is being uh, punished, of course we know that was Satan uh, coming in the form of a serpent. Uh, Jesus said that the seed of the woman would be at enmity with him. And that reference is the first reference we see in Scripture that actually points toward the Christ child. In Scripture, Mary, of course, was the first one to um, partake of the forbidden fruit. Uh, she was the first one to question God based on what Satan had planted in her mind when he said, you know, you, you really won't die. And God didn't really say that. Um, so she was the one that really began to question God. So she was the one behind the whole thing. Now, Adam failed because he listened to Eve and didn't fulfill his role as the head of the house and overrule what she did and refused to partake of the fruit. Uh, instead, he gave in. So that was his failure. And because both of them, you know, because Adam failed, then man inherited sin today. But it was the woman who initiated the whole thing. Um, and so now here we see that as, as the Christ child is being born, Man had nothing to do with what became our, what was our salvation. Christ, the Christ child, was our is our savior. Um, and I think there's an analogy we can add to that because the the curse that was put upon um, Adam was the fact that his uh, labor would be in the form of resistance. You know, the earth was going to resist him. He talks about the thorns and the thistles. So. You know, his job as the provider of the family and the head of the household was going to be a difficult task as a result of that sin. So it was by his works that Satan, or that Adam is able 
to do what he was called to do, to fulfill his responsibility and to be unhappy in the role that God had given him. But it was going to be difficult. So it was by his works. Well, God wants to make sure that we see that works play no part in salvation. And so man is eliminated from the whole process. It wasn't Joseph's seed um, that brought Christ into this world. It was the seed of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so God used the woman and used her simply, you know, by herself without the aid of man. Um, but then, of course, you know, then, then we see that uh, after Herod had died, then Adam was, uh, you know, brought... Adam, I'm getting mixed up here. Joseph had uh, brought the Christ child back from Egypt into, uh, into Israel. Uh, you notice then in, in verse 16, it says, Then Herod, saw, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Of course, that's where we get the two-year time frame. That didn't really take them that long to find the Christ child. Um, you know, but then they had to elude... Um, Herod. They had to take a different route to get back. Um, and, and then by the time he finally figured out that they weren't coming back, it was two years later. And so he then uh, fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. It says in verse 17, then was fulfilled, which was spoken of Jeremy the prophet, saying in Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. It would not be comforted because they're not. But when he, uh, Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream unto Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. I'm going to stop there, and then we'll pick up the last couple verses in a few minutes. But, you know, Herod's response was a response of anger, because uh, he had been defied. Um, and and so he lashed out, and, and you know I'm not, you know I, I kind of wonder. As we talked before, he he could have followed Joe or the wise men to find the Christ child and just killed the baby, but he didn't do that. So now, out of anger, he's just gonna punish everybody. Um, and you know if 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 he didn't believe that there was a Christ child then uh, he was, he, you know, this was all, over, all these babies were being killed just, just out of anger, out of his own spite. I, I think we see that today. Uh, you know, we have this issue of abortion, and I think it's really just retaliation against the things of God. People are angry because they know they're wrong, and they're lashing out, quite frankly. Um, they want to live their own life. They don't want to follow the rules of God. They want to do their own thing, and they get angry. When you confront people who support abortion, they do get angry. They get violent. Um, you can say what you want about a lot of the the uh, confrontations that take place between abortionists and anti-abortionists. They're by and large um, initiated by those who are opposed, who are who uh, in, are in support of abortion, and that's the way pretty much with the left today. They're just they don't have any defense for what they believe, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, they, they lash out in anger because they know they're wrong. So, you know, we, we see here that uh, 
you know, nothing has really changed. Nothing has, uh, nothing is different. Mm -hmm. um, but we do see prophecies fulfilling. We see, uh, we see that once again that Christ indeed is the Christ child. But you know, can you imagine the, uh, you know, the 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 magnus of the order of death of these innocent children? Uh, and the men who carried out these executions. I mean, what kind of person does it take to actually carry them out? Uh, Herod didn't have to do it, and it was his hired guns that had to go out and do it. And I'm um, not sure all of them were the ones that were in favor of it. And when you look at the abortion industry today, it's it's a scant few that are willing to actually be on the front lines of the anti-abortionists or of the uh, abortion movement. Um, even though there are a lot of people who are okay with it, and there are, of course, obviously a lot of mothers who go do it, they're not really the ones who are performed. They don't really see what happens. The the uh, actual procedure and the process and all that sort of thing is pretty much hidden from the mother. Um, so they don't really see what goes on. So there's very few that have the stomach to actually follow through with what they claim to believe. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a sad day, and it's a sad day now. So anyway, you know, they, they come back. The, um, uh, Joseph brings the family back, and in verse uh, 13, he says, But when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So that's how Jesus ended up in um, in Nazareth. Uh, it wasn't necessarily their city of choice. Um, they were just going back to Israel and uh, you know or Judea. But when they you know they realized that Herod's son was uh, in charge, they didn't really know how he was going to react, and so they just used a little common sense and decided to uh, just avoid the whole situation you know you see the things that satan does and the, the vain attempts of satan um, and men for that matter um, to destroy jesus and do away with the the plan that he has for man the purpose he has for man god just uses those you know in fulfilling his own prophecies because all these things that happened here were prophesied to occur um Jesus is spoken of as being what's called a netzer. That's, you know, a, a rod that the shepherds would use. Um, and the, the rod would be used to prod the sheep along to guide them in the right direction, keep them in the fold. Um, so even though it was sometimes painful, and today, you know, they use electric rods that actually provide an electric shock for cattle and so on. It's sometimes painful to be held in check, but that's, you know, what God does. He brings things into our lives that cause us to stay close to him. And if we're willing to listen instead of rebel, then we know we're the better for it. And as we grow older, we see what God does. We understand how he uses, has used things in our lives and made us who we are today. And, and, and we can see how that rod of correction uh, always uh, draws us closer to him. So it makes perfect sense to us. So we see these things in uh, 
all the people who surrounded Christ during that, that time frame and how everything was done in accordance with God's plan. It fulfilled all of his prophecies, and, and he's still doing the same thing today. Uh, things are still going according to God's plan. I know they seem to have spiraled out of control, but, you know, God uses all this to bring things about the way he wants them to. He, he's still got things uh, well in hand. So there's, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Um, doesn't mean we can't, we don't have to battle to serve God. Sometimes there's some resistance involved and so on in trying to do what we know God has called us to do. But we still know that even though it may appear that we are failing or that we are the downtrodden, the fact is God's got this. So anyway, that's chapter two. I uh, look forward to being with you again when we pick up chapter three. And uh, God bless you.